My dad was the most intellectual man I've ever known, even though he never went to college. And I look up to see my middle school science class, my teacher, and my mom. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories, personal stories, grit stories. New episodes are released every Friday, and we are now in the middle of season number three, dedicated to what we call Grit Talks, which is conversations with these storytellers, and the best of. And today we have got two stories from our 7x7 storytelling series, which started in March of 2020. These two stories are from May of that same year by Jessica Piscatelli Robinson and Lily Berman, and both revolve around parents. As always, check the show notes for upcoming events, including the 99-second story Grand Slam season number five. And a friendly reminder, if you would help us out, please, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing really helps. It helps people find the podcast. So thanks for that. I hope to see you at our Sunday events and really appreciate your support. All right, Jessica and Lily, let's dive in. When my mom died after a brief battle with cancer, my biggest regret was that I hadn't slowed down and just watched her, you know, taken a snapshot, cemented her in my memory. So when just a few years later, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer, I was not going to make the same mistake again. I started watching him like a hawk. Now, my dad was the most intellectual man I've ever known, even though he never went to college. He read every book ever written, loved classical music, never missed a masterpiece theater, and listened to NPR incessantly. But he was born and raised in New Jersey and grew to manhood in the Navy, so he could and regularly did swear like a sailor. And there is no way that I could truly honor his memory without doing the same. My dad had three favorite expressions, which he used on an at least hourly basis. All right, here we go. They were, motherfucker, get the fuck out of here, and what the fuck. And each of his favorite expressions had the sort of generic definition, you know, the one that we all know. And then they had that deeper secondary dad meaning, you know, the ones that we knew. For example, motherfucker, or as my dad would say, motherfucker, was, you know, in the generic sense, well, it's basically described something you would do that I might think is inappropriate with a family member. But the way my dad used it was as an expression of deep mental and physical anguish. Like if he stubbed his toe or 
filled in the wrong column in the New York Times crossword puzzle and pen, of course, I mean, what else could you say if not motherfucker? Then there was get the fuck out of here. Or as my dad would put it, get the fuck out of here. That was, of course, his way of saying, would you please step aside, kind sir, you are in my way. But on the deeper dad level, get the fuck out of here was his way of saying something you were trying to do or give him was completely unacceptable. Like if you tried to give him runny eggs or <laughs> overcooked pasta or ketchup for his steak. I mean, come on, get the fuck out of here. And then there was the creme de la creme, the pièce de résistance, my dad's most favorite expression. What the fuck? Or as he would say, what the fuck? And of course, what the fuck is an existential question. It's, it's like, what the fuck is with all this traffic, right? But then the way my dad would employ it was, well, let's just say it was a little bit judgmental, almost like when he said what the fuck to you, he was kind of questioning your intelligence. Like the time I was staying at his house and I tried to get him to watch the Jim Gaffigan special on Comedy Central, we're sitting there on the couch and he keeps looking over at me and he goes, this guy's talking about Hot Pockets? You think this is funny? What the fuck? Now, as you can tell, my dad had a certain eloquence of speech, a, a charisma of language, if you will. And so it was all the more tragic when towards the end of his life, he was reduced to sort of monosyllabic expressions, the yeah or no. On, on the, the final couple days of his life, my, my brother and sister and my uncle and I were sort of gathered around his bed on death watch, just kind of hoping that he would give us a little bit more of him, you know, give us a, a final eloquent uh, meaning of life kind of statement. And I remember the day before he passed away, he started mumbling and we all leaned in close hoping to get that, that final statement from him, but it was, it was just incoherent. And then on the last morning, he woke up and he was laying in bed and we were all sort of in the room and, and he just grunted out, pee, and if you can't figure it out, it meant he had to go pee. Now he wasn't going to make it to the bathroom. So my brother and uncle, they, they propped him up on the edge of the bed and my sister and I took a couple steps back, you know, give the guy some privacy. But my dad just sat there. He didn't lift his head. He didn't open his eyes and he didn't pee. So my brother said, dad, you got to pee? No response. My uncle said, Dave, you got to take a whiz? Nothing. Now, my sister, she had little kids at the time, and she was always trying to be a mom, you know? So trying to be helpful, she leaned in and she said, Dad, you got to make pee-pee. In that moment, my dad rallied. He lifted his head, opened his eyes, looked directly at my sister and said, what the fuck? And then he peed. Now, he died later that day without uttering another word. I, for one, am grateful that I will forever have the perfect snapshot of my dad. And I'm, you know, for my dad's sake, I'm pretty sure that he could not be prouder of himself for leaving us with, what the fuck?
Thank you, Jessica. Jessica lives in Virginia. She is the founder of Better Said Than Done. I will put a link in the show notes to that organization. Next up, Lily Berman out in Colorado. There was no time to consider my options in that moment because there was a human brain flying through the air. And either it was going to splat on my chest and bounce on the ground, or I was going to have to catch it. So there I am with someone's brain between my palms. And I look up to see my middle school science class, my teacher, and my mom smiling, the thrower of said brain. And I know what you're thinking, this is a nightmare, right? And it was, but only in the way that all of middle school is a nightmare. All I wanted desperately was to fit in. I wanted to be completely unidentifiable from everyone around me in the way that I dressed and what I said in the way that I acted, but also somehow uniquely desirable for friendship. And unfortunately, I was neither of those things. And the other things that I desperately wanted was a stay-at-home mom, or what I called a home mom. There she was on all of these after-school TV ads, greeting her kids bounding off the bus with this amazing buffet of after-school snacks. And there she was at all of the during the day in elementary school, come to school and have tea with your kids or whatever activities that they had for parents. My mom didn't come to any of that stuff. My mom was a neuroscientist. She was busy. She had to maintain a lab and write grants and train PhD candidates and teach doctors about future doctors about neuroanatomy. But I didn't see any of that stuff. All I noticed was her absence. And I didn't really see her, I think, in the way that a lot of kids don't really see their parents. I didn't know that when she graduated high school in the 1960s, she dreamed of marrying an ambassador or a diplomat. Like the only way she was going to have an interesting life was to marry an interesting man. And of course she felt that way. She grew up the daughter of a prominent psychiatrist and his socialite wife who was president of her women's club and entertained her husband's colleagues and their wives in their living room. She really flipped that script on its head. She earned her PhD from MIT and found her husband among her classmates. She was one of the first 500 members of the Society for Neuroscience that now has more than 36,000 members. And she became a full tenured professor while having three kids at home at a time when most women made the impossible choice between being scientists and being mothers that she refused to make. And she also volunteered. So she brought for a brain health week, these brain specimens in the classrooms. And that's why she was in my classroom that day. And in her recollection, she asked if anyone wanted to hold the brain and no one said yes. And so she gently handed it to me, but there's no video recording of this. So I can't confirm nor deny her recollection or mine. She also stood in front of all the classrooms and asked the students what a scientist looks like. And now the kids would say the usual, you know, old man, gray hair, until one student would say you. And she'd smile and say, that's right. I'm what a scientist looks like. So I'm standing there holding this brain and I'm feeling, well, number one, I'm feeling the brain. If you've never held a preserved human brain, it's kind of like, 
Well, the smell is pretty awful that you can imagine the preservation chemicals and they also chemically harden it. So it's kind of like this heavy, firm rubber and I'm holding it and I'm thinking two things at the same time. One is I am just impossibly weird. Like I was weird before, but there is absolutely no blending in and no fitting in after being having a, your mom throw a brain at you and your mom bring a brain to your classroom and my dream of being popular and fitting in is completely over. But I also felt something else, quiet at first. Like, this is pretty awe-inspiring to hold someone's brain. And it's pretty magical that my mom made this experience for me. Maybe my mom is pretty magical too. Fast forward, I'm sitting in my high school graduation in the dark, looking up at whatever speech was going on. And I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I turn to look and it's this girl sitting next to me. You know this girl, she was effortlessly cool for our entire childhoods. And she probably had a home mom too. And I look over wondering what she wants and I see her eyes are wide and she has this reverent tone. Like as she asks, your mom was the brain lady, wasn't she? And I thought back to all of the years that had passed between those two moments, how I found my tribe in the high school debate team, how I had earned those two cords around my neck, one for National Honor Society and one for French National Honor Society, and how I was about to move away from Kansas City to attend my first choice university in Montreal and really go on a quest to figure out where I belong in every sense of the word. I thought about everything that my mother's generation had accomplished so that young women could grow up and sure, be mothers, but maybe not be mothers and be any number of other things that they wanna be. I thought about all that opportunity and promise that I was walking into at that moment. And I thought about everything that my mother was, both to me and to the world. And so I turned to the girl and just welled with pride and admiration as I said, yes, my mom was the brain lady. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Jessica Piscatelli-Robinson and Lily Berman. Thanks so much for your stories. If you'd like to help us out, well, keep doing what you're doing. Listen to the podcast. Let folks know about it. You can share it on social media. And if you listen on Apple, rating and reviewing the podcast helps a lot. It helps people find it. Thanks so much for that. Check the show notes for upcoming events including the 99-second story Grand Slam season number five. That is all for episode number 62. Boom.